Welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are not financial advisors. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guest is not formal advice or a recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. Okay, welcome in. This is the Thursday deep dive on Chit Chat Money, and we're here with Ian Gray as always. And today we're discussing Interactive Corp, which is known as IAC. But first, Ian, you're down in Flagstaff in the old incubator. Uh, how are things going? You got like two feet of snow. It's uh, yeah, yeah, that's a crazy amount of snow. I've never been anywhere where it's really snowed at all, and then it was two feet in the last two days. Just had a couple of entrepreneurs come by. I think there were seven, eight, nine, something like that. Shovel my driveway. So um, lots of innovation happening here in Flagstaff. Yeah, perfect. Everyone, yeah, yeah. They're uh, telling them to uh, go buy some GameStop calls and triple, <laughs> triple their money. But uh, today we're going to be talking IAC. Oh, before uh, but we first, get to that. Yeah, we got to talk about our friends at 7investing. Ian, you know about 7investing, but we're going to be talking about a specific advisor there. Yeah, Steve um, today. Steve. Uh, he's Steve. Oh, gosh, I don't know how to say his last Simming- name. Simmington. Simmington. Uh, Gosh, and yeah, he's, right. yeah, I mean, he's an overall, I mean, I don't know what if his specific style is. He likes to go with, you know, some traditional value names. He plays in the higher growth men, but it's really just companies he understands and he's confident in over the long period or long time horizon. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what else to say. Like, I love a lot of the companies he looks at. Um, uh. Some of them, you know, are the higher growth names that people might think, oh, that's overvalued, but really they do have that long-term time horizon at seven investing. So they're not afraid yeah. to pay up for growth. Um, and if you want to get like a sneak peek at his analysis, we did a show with him for the 25 stocks at Christmas. I yeah. guess we did one with everyone except Manisha, but uh, uh, he talked about real estate investment trust. Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah it was a, a real re- retail opportunity investment corp. I yeah. think is what it's called. ROIC. Uh, yeah. And so you can kind of get some free analysis there. Uh, uh, but if you want to sign up and get all those picks at 7investing, you get $10 off with our code CCM at checkout. But right. we'll get done with the ad and we'll get right into Interactive Corp. So Ryan, why don't you get things started? Yeah. IAC is a holding company that owns pretty much, I think it's all media and internet businesses. Uh, currently, IAC still operates a bunch of businesses, including Angie's Home Services, Vimeo, Care.com, DotDash, Turo, and a bunch of other early stage companies. Investopedia. So Investopedia is in there too. And they've had a lot of like notable companies along the way. Um, But be forewarned, their capital structure is a little complex. And uh, I mean, the business it requires, they are buying businesses at an early stage, growing them and then spinning them off a lot of the times. So there's a lot of moving parts to the business. So just be aware of that. Um, But IAC was started as Silver King Broadcasting Company in 1986. There were a bunch of name changes and corporate transactions along the way, but it finally resulted in Barry Diller buying them and eventually calling it IAC. Uh, and they've always been a serial acquirer, specifically media and, and internet internet businesses. I believe they were trying to do like a bunch of broadcasting channels initially with Silver King because Barry Diller, I think, is uh, he was the Fox broadcasting guy. He was the founder oh, really? of Broad Fox Broadcasting Company. Um, but from 1997 to 2005, IAC bought Ticketmaster, Hotels.com, Expedia, Match.com, LendingTree, Hotwire, TripAdvisor, and more. Um, 
And eventually they bundled most of those travel companies together under the name Expedia Group and eventually bundled some of the dating apps together under the name Match Group. Um, so it seems like they go after like, like a bunch of dogs in one fight, I guess. They like yeah. buy all the horses in the race and then they just bet on the industry. And mm-hmm. so they did that with online travel um, and then they did that with dating and so they've spun those off and a lot of them become public companies. And that's basically how their business works. Yeah. And it's interesting. Yeah. You might be uh, listening and confused like, oh, Match Group, that's a public company. Uh, but originally it went IPO or whatever and then got spun off from uh, IAC. They still owned a significant stake of the outstanding shares. So that's kind of where some of the value gets derived. Uh, yeah. But it's similar like to it's similar to Berkshire Hathaway in a sense where they're trying to buy companies, you know, whole companies, not just invest in outside interest, but they're more of in the game of spinning it off so people can choose what part of their business they want to invest in. Yeah. And they're also bundling a lot of these companies together. I mean, they bought match.com early on. They yeah. bought Tinder. Tinder along the way, I think 2015, 2016. Um, and then they put them under the same umbrella. So it's not like they just bought match group and grew yep. it. Like they built match group, uh, the, the, the holding company match group. They mm-hmm. built. Yep. So um, yeah, that's kind of how the business works. Does that, does that all make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, who's, who's up the next industry landscape? Is that you? Yeah. So again, this is tough because they're kind of a conglomerate. Uh, but I mean, for IAC as a whole, uh, there's no competitor because it's just a holding company that's investing in things, but I'll just go for the two big parts of their business, which is right now, Angie's home service and Vimeo. Uh, Match Group used to be a big part of their business, but it's officially separated. Like they have no ownership anymore. And that ended in the, no, not September, the summer of 2020. Uh, so Angie's Home Service, there's not really any huge competitors to Home Advisor or Angie's List. There's some smaller ones, but and, and they're out there. And then if you don't know what that is, it's just a marketplace where you know contractors, home improvement people, um, you know, a lot of people that I guess would be getting their supplies at Home Depot or, you know, contracting out a bathroom expansion or building out a deck, things like that. They are on uh, whatever this is called, either Angie's List or Home Advisor, and then people find them. And then they're just a marketplace where they have, you know, the take rates and they have a few different ways to monetize. But yeah, that market right now uh, for, uh, I don't know the specific name for it, but basically like home improvement is about $100 billion and it's estimated to grow to about $200 billion over the next decade. So really a lot of room to go there. And I think the majority of the market currently is still offline. I think it's 90% offline. So if they can get that switch to have the, you know, the leads and stuff like that, not just being over the phone or finding something you know, just to your, your local guy. Um, they have a lot of opportunity there. And then Vimeo, it used to be a YouTube competitor, uh, but it's since switched to selling enterprise software for focused on video. They allow you to do um, your own streaming service and they allow you to do live streams. There's a couple of different things they allow you to do, but it's really like professionalized video, uh, either for corporations or creative types who are trying to say like you're a, you want to be like a cooking show or a cooking channel, but that's not the food network. It allows you to do your own app um, okay. pretty easily, like on a Roku or an Amazon Fire or something like that. Uh, but yeah, that's all their industry is. Uh, their competitors for Vimeo are kind of maybe Adobe a bit. And then there's another company called Brightcove, but it's hard to judge who their actual competitors are. And it's hard to really judge the size of that market because it's really new and they're building it out themselves. Um, all right, Ian, you're up next with management. 
Yep. So Ryan mentioned earlier, Barry Diller, who's the chairman and senior executive. He was the founder of IAC. Well, sort of, um, <laughs> as, as it is today. Um, he bought uh, Silver King Broadcasting Company, as Ryan mentioned. But he has an interesting story. He originally came up through the media ranks, starting like as a fairly low position at ABC, eventually moving on to Paramount Pictures. He became the CEO of 20th Century Fox. And then while he was at 20th Century Fox, um, the Murdochs basically said, hey, why don't we start a fourth television network? Um, to compete with ABC and NBC and CBS, which was kind of a gargantuan task. And they put him in charge of that. Um, ended up being successful, obviously. It's still around today. And one of the big pieces of success there was actually The Simpsons. That became one of the shows that they kind of staked um, a lot of their claim on. So anyways, an interesting story. He's been around for a while. Um, there's actually a really good episode of Masters of Scale. It's a podcast with Reed Hoffman where he interviews... Um, kind of business leaders, but they have an episode with Barry Diller that's really interesting. So anyways, he's well-respected in the business community. He's on the board of Coca-Cola, um, recently got put on the board of MGM because IAC invested um, some money in MGM about and acquired basically 12% of the company. He owns about 6.6% of the IAC shares outstanding. So a good mm -hmm. chunk. The only person who owns more than him well, the only thing that owns more than him is the Vanguard Group that owns about 8.1% of the company. Um, and then I'm going to mention uh, Joseph Levin or Joey Levin, who's the CEO now of IAC. He's been with the company in a variety of roles since 2003. Uh, he was formerly the CEO of Vimeo. One of the ways that this their management team kind of works is you can be like the CEO of one of their uh, companies, one of their portfolio companies, and then you become C or <laughs> executives within their holding company or things like that. So there's a lot of shuffling around that happens. But um, he's been in a variety of roles for a lot for a long time and owns 3.9% of the shares outstanding. So a big, big stake seems to be the successor to Barry Diller and likely is going to be around for a while. They're trying to take good care of him, paying him a lot. Um, recently signed a new deal. I think Brett may get into that later. But uh, interesting management team experienced, they've done a good job. And I'll also note, they seem to do a good job of developing leaders. Like I said, Joey Levin's been with the company since 2003. Um, another example of someone who was with IAC was Dara Khosrowshahi, who was the uh, CEO of Uber now. He used to be the CEO of Expedia and kind of came up through the ranks at IAC um, and was the CEO of Expedia, I believe when they spun that out. Um, but now he's the CEO of Uber. So lots of, lots of good management development happening at uh, IAC. Yeah, it's kind of one of the big investment, uh, or at least when I see people talking about the investment case for owning IAC, it is really coming down to management and what they can do with the cash on hand and uh, kind of incubating, if you want to use that term, the businesses they currently have. But I'll get to the valuation. That's a little tough because it's a holding company with a lot of outside interest, but the ticker is IAC and enterprise value. Um, for when I looked it up, is about $15.2 billion, according to Coifin. Uh, no dividend, and you kind of want to take a sum of the parts valuation to understand all the pieces for this unique conglomerate. So Vimeo, which IAC owns, just raised $300 million at about a $5.5 billion valuation. Part of it was at like a $5.2 billion pre-money, and part of it was at $5.7 billion pre-money. So um, maybe it's a little closer to $6 billion on post-money valuation, but that brings IAC's EV down to $9.7 billion if you, you know, once they spin that off, because um, they're saying they're going to spin that off in the spring. Uh, so if you get that out of the enterprise value, it's about $9.7 billion. And then IAC also owns 85% of Angie's home services. So 
you know, high majority stake, and that's valued around $5.4 billion, which brings the enterprise value down to 4.3. So about a third, uh, two thirds of the business is, you know, one, one thirds in Vimeo, one thirds in about that stake in Angie's home service. And then they have that MGM stake, which is about $1.8 billion. So you shave off a little more. Um, and then the core businesses uh, after that, which is like dot dash, all the little smaller things they own that aren't that aren't growing yet or are part of the you know internet businesses. There's there's like a search thing as well. Um, that's valued at around two point two billion dollars, excuse me. Um, and they have about thirty point eight billion dollars in cash and equivalents. And it, again, it's hard to judge the multiple. Um, and Ryan's going to talk about the earnings, but. I mean, if you back out everything and look at just the businesses they own outside of Vimeo and Angie's and MGM, the sales multiple seems very reasonable, but we don't know the exact margin structure of everything. Yeah. And the other part is when, you know, if they have success and they generate a lot of cash, they know how much cash they have. And sometimes mm-hmm. the earnings on a quarter to quarter basis can be not representative of the future because a lot of the time they're pouring money into some of these businesses to expand them. Uh, Turo's yeah. one example, and yeah. I'll get into that. But uh, uh, for the third quarter, they had 788 million in revenue up 12% year over year. They had 126.4 million in free cash flow for the first nine months of 2020. And that's growing at about 7% year over year. Uh, but the operating cash flow for the last nine months was actually down 12%. They just cut CapEx in half uh, and there was some working capital adjustments. So the free cash flow was better. Um, but Vimeo is their largest, or sorry, their fastest growing segment with 75 million in quarterly revenue, growing 44% year over year. That's obviously uh, so growing at a pretty quick pace. And then Angie's Home Services has about 390 million in quarterly revenue, growing 9% year over year. Uh, that is a really I like that business. That's publicly traded too, isn't it? Yeah. So you can buy Angie's home service on your own if you want. It's kind of like how Match Group used to be, uh, where they spun off some of the shares. Uh, so 15% of it is not owned by IAC, but you can still like do the, well, I own Angie's through IAC. It's just, you know, a smaller stake. Okay. And they had 130 million in operating losses. This is on a gap basis for the quarter. Uh, it seems like they've got a bunch of those small internet, they, they categorize it as other businesses. Uh, there's search and then there's other. And I think there's three that they break out individually, which is Vimeo, uh, Angie's, is DotDash the other one? Uh, yeah, there's DotDash and, and then, then search. search and then other. And then other. And uh, they're, they're losing a lot of money from those other ones because they're growing. Uh, they're smaller businesses and they're willing to sacrifice a little bit of losses in those. Uh, but they have almost $7 billion in cash, goodwill, and long-term investments. If you pull all those together, and then obviously almost $4 billion in cash. Um, over the last nine months, their cash balance tripled. Uh, I assume some of that had to do with the Match Group entire spinoff. Yeah, not sure exactly, but I, I would assume so as well. So yeah, very liquid. Um, I think all the long-term debt is uh, attributed to Angie's, which I think, I mean, you're going to get into the balance sheet, so I'll let you get to it, but I think yep. less than a billion or something like that, right? Yep. So yeah, I'll go ahead and dive into the balance sheet. So we've got about $3.8 billion in cash, which like you said, a large portion of that, um, about 3 billion or so was a result of um, activities related to the match group spinoff. Some of it was getting some shares. Some of it was match group paying them back for some debt, stuff like that. So basically it showed up as an additional $3 billion on the balance sheet. Um, They do have about 1.8 billion in goodwill, which isn't alarming or surprising at all because 
you know, they, they're acquiring lots of companies. And so the fact is that they will be paying premiums for those types of companies. And that's just part of, that's part of what you're buying when you're buying IAC. And so it's not an unreasonable amount of goodwill. There's likely write downs at different times and that type of stuff, but nothing that's too concerning there. And then, like you said, Ryan, about a billion dollars in debt um, outside of, or sorry, about a billion dollars in debt, including the leases outside of the operating leases, almost or all of the debt is related to the Angie um, business. And so it's broken up between senior notes, which have about a 3.875% interest rate and a term loan, which is uh, LIBOR plus 1.5%. And so right now it's about a 1.6, 1.7% interest rate. So not a whole lot of like pretty cheap debt, you know, pretty yeah. cheap debt, not a whole lot of debt. Um, and they say that the debt is for potential acquisitions and or the return of capital to investors. And so looking, you know, looking to create value for investors with these, it's not really to fund like operating losses or operations or anything like that. The debt's really to be um, aggressive or to return capital to investors. Okay. So in my opinion, or go ahead. And so Andrew's Home Services, correct me if I'm wrong, is another like match group, sort of an umbrella. It's got multiple companies underneath it, right? Uh, so it has Home Advisor and Angie's List, the two big ones, but I do think it has, yeah, a few. Uh, I think okay. they have a European business that's different, uh, or it could just be that Home Advisor, the company has a few ones. But yeah, it's similar to Match, although it's not as um, and diversified. Don't they, so don't they dump a lot of the debt uh, when they spin these companies off, don't they leave sort of the debt with those companies once they're spun uh, off? Yeah. I mean, that's one of my lowlights for investing in those companies, but if you're IAC, um, I guess it's better, you know, cause you kind of, that's what they did with match group. They dumped a, yeah, I think 2 billion or maybe even more of this. This, this is why I said the capital structure is a little complex because he, there's nuance to every sort of number on that balance sheet. Uh, so just pay attention to Yeah. That. I mean, Fine and it's like, and it's fluid, right? Like you yeah. said, because of all these different businesses they own and the potential to spin some off and to have different capital arrangements, you could see large fluctuations in cash like we've seen in the last couple of quarters with the match group spinoff. Yeah. And they are going to raise, I mean, once they spin off Vimeo, which they say they're going to do shortly, that should raise some more cash too. And that was a good point from Ryan. Uh, having the billion dollars in notes on Angie's balance sheet kind of maybe indicates that once they spin that off or if they ever spin it off fully, they're going to, you know, keep that debt on Angie's balance sheet. So yeah, kind of an interesting way to look at it. Uh, if you're kind of, I don't know, looking at IAC or Angie's service, deciding what we want to invest in, but we're going to hit a break and uh, then we're going to get back and talk about more about uh, IAC competitive advantages, highlights and lowlights, all the good stuff at the end. Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi includes advanced security to help protect all your connected devices. You'll get real-time alerts. Oh, like this one. So you don't have to worry about malware. Or when your kid downloads a song from a shady link. And now all your computer can play is... Red color, red color, where are you? <sighs> all blocked, thanks to advanced security. Included with Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi. Advanced security must be enabled in the Panoramic Wi-Fi app. Restrictions apply. All right, welcome back. First up is competitive advantages. Uh, again, a tough one. So we might be looking at individual businesses or just kind of how their you know corporate structure is. But I'll let Ian go first. What do you have for IAC? Yeah, so I'll say, and I am going to consider this a competitive advantage, um, but that they are just good at the acquisition of brands and building kind of these um, many, not conglomerates, but many uh, groups of companies like the Match Group or others. Um, 
and it takes both the expertise and the proper scale. They have to be big enough where they can actually buy lots of companies. Um, so like I said, Match Group would be the obvious example of this, but I'm going to just talk about Dot Dash for just a minute. So that was um, turned around from uh, about.com was the original asset there. And they decided we're going to go after becoming a great publisher um, that has high quality content and not a whole lot of intrusive ads. And so basically part of that is Investopedia, which it owned prior to that and then kind of rolled into it. Um, it acquired Brides, which used to be a print magazine and now it's just entirely online. And it built um, a brand called Very Well, which is kind of a health and fitness type online brand um, from the ground up. And so it's using that combination of both stuff it already owns, stuff it acquires and stuff it builds to create these many companies within it. And I think that that is um, a competitive advantage because not many, not too many companies, in my opinion, have the scale or the expertise to do that. Yeah, it's probably better to have those type of companies within IAC because on their own, it's kind of tougher and altogether it can help because we know those businesses can be lumpy, but in the long run, those group of like informational businesses, and I'm kind of looking at it through the Investopedia lens, they seem very stable over the long term. It'd be tough to disrupt. I know it's only a small part of the business, but it seems like it'd be tough to disrupt someone like Dot Dash. Yeah. And also to touch on Ian's, Ian's point, and this is kind of, I, for competitive advantages, it's kind of hard to pinpoint any one specific thing because it's a conglomerate. And so they have their hands in so many different industries, but liquidity and that expertise, that guidance from people that have done it before. I mean, Barry Diller's been doing this for like 30 years really well. 11, uh, 15. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, any, if you're able to have that as like Dot Dash or any of these smaller businesses to kind of have that guidance on like, hey, what should I do? I think that is sort of a competitive advantage when you're looking at it on the granular level. So like those companies versus their competitors, not necessarily IAC, yeah. but then yeah, I, management's got a really good track record and they have almost $4 billion in cash. So if you believe in management and you think they can allocate that well, um, I, I can't, that much liquidity has to be a competitive advantage somewhere. And uh, especially if markets or valuations on some of the businesses revert, uh, they have a lot of ammo to go out and buy tons of companies. Mm -hmm. And we saw that in March where they uh, took a big stake in MGM. And this is kind of different because it was a con stock stake, but yeah, they use that to buy $2 billion there and they're going to try to get them into that um, omni-channel esports, not esports, um, gambling strategy for sports gambling. So. I guess that, that is the other thing is like MGM, they bought it in common stock. Okay. They're mm -hmm. not one dimensional. They don't have to buy private businesses. They don't have to buy smaller companies. They can really, they have a lot of, I hate using the term optionality, but they have a lot of optionality in what they can go after. Yeah, I'd agree. All right. I'll, I'll hit mine. Uh, similar to your guys's, but I do like the structure they've created with kind of the you know, they have the permanent and long-term mindset where uh, even if some of the common stockholders gets, you know, skittish or something like that, that can hurt an individual business, um, especially if they're in the high growth phase. But with IAC having the balance sheet and whether people buy or sell the stock doesn't really mean they cannot invest into like something like Dot Dash or the smaller businesses in the other category, like Turo or Care.com was kind of a distressed asset they bought. I think that's definitely an advantage from the capital allocation standpoint, but it seems like we all had similar ones there. Um, uh, yeah, it's they're a serial acquirer, so you're betting on their ability to acquire companies. So yeah. I guess that's sort of the 
the future of the business. Yeah, and their management team. Like that was the thing with um, about.com that was kind of interesting is that wasn't their original plan with it, but they brought in this guy who they really liked. And they said, hey, you're going to be the CEO, you're in charge. And he came back like six months later with the plan and said, we're actually going to turn this into a major publisher and we need $35 million. And they said, huh, okay, we trust you. And he's gone and done it. And so they kind of empower their people to, to make those bold decisions. But anyways. Yeah, and it's not just a track record of acquiring companies, but it's like acquiring and then making them best in class. Yeah, the, the development process has That's, obviously worked well there. Yeah, it seems to be the key. Uh, all right, future growth opportunities. Who's going first, Ian? Ian, yeah, hit up first. Yeah, sounds good. So I'm intrigued by their um, the stake they t- took in MGM. So as we've mentioned, they have about a 12% stake in MGM now. I think that has the potential to grow to a larger stake, um, particularly if MGM starts to acquire some companies. So they've come alongside and said, hey, we don't consider ourselves quite activists. We're not, we like the direction this company is going. We think they're doing a good job in online, um, the online gambling space, but we wanna come in and be a deal partner in some ways. And so they can have a couple of boards on the uh, seats on the board. Um, They, so MGM is, uh, let me find the name here, but it, MGM made an offer for Intain, which is its partner in the bet MGM iGaming and sports betting businesses. And so Intain basically said the offer was too low. There's some speculation. I think IAC has said that they'd be willing to do this, that MGM could up their offer with some additional cash from IAC to, to go out and acquire Intain. And so I see this as maybe a roadmap future for future growth and for them to kind of build um, this umbrella of sports gambling companies, um, particularly just because of their expertise with it. And it seems like a space that's ripe for some consolidation. There's all these different players out there right now, a bunch of startups in the space, and they might be able to take MGM with their traditional expertise and the omni-channel stuff with having some physical locations, then to also be able to bring in IAC's cash and their ability to build um, kind of a, a little mini conglomerate like that. I think I think it's an interesting growth opportunity. Yeah, and that's where I think having IAC as your parent company gives the uh, sort of subsidiaries a lot of flexibility is like, uh, all right, maybe we're not sure if we can take this action. Well, let's dip into the piggy bank, which is IAC, uh, and they always have access to capital that way. Yeah, and the big uh, the comparison with the gambling, I think, is apt to compare it to um, the online dating space and the online travel agencies, which is in Expedia, which is one of their older businesses that they spun out. Uh, because we're seeing this big growth with the legalization of sports betting. It should, you know, the majority of states should be legalizing it within the next few years here. Maybe it'll take a decade, but uh, they're kind of seeing this new opportunity where, you know, they, I think they're really good at identifying when that shift from offline to online is going to occur, or there's one going to be a big growth in that certain market. And then they make the investments and then they, you know, make, or whatever they have the partnership with MGM. It's a little different because it's the common stock. But they're, you know, giving cash to whoever they're helping fund operations. So even if they have to burn some money for a few years or if it takes a long time, um, eventually, you know, they're going to be the number one player in the space. But it's, it's not guaranteed. So, Ryan, yeah, I'll get in mind, uh, Turo in 2019, IAC made a $250 investment, $250 million investment uh, yeah. in Turo. Uh, and so if you don't know what they are, it's like this peer to peer car sharing marketplace. So it's a lot like Airbnb, but for the auto business, which I know sounds 
It's like, well, isn't that like Uber? Like, no, you're literally like, uh, all right, someone's got their car. Like someone has a house on Airbnb. You can rent it for the day for like a hundred bucks. It's replacing car rentals, which has been ripe for disruption for just about ever. Like, uh, I can't remember anyone that's had a good car rental experience. Um, but yeah, Toro is reportedly a unicorn, but that's also based off partially IAC's valuation. Uh, and I do think, uh, I mean, there's just been a lot of talk about Turo. Uh, generally, I think they grew revenue 60% year over year in the last year. But if you're looking for confirmation bias, Larry Fitzgerald, 2 Chains, um, Victor Oladipo, and Tyrod Taylor are all, also investors in Turo. It's Tyrod, but... <laughs> but well, I'm all in. I'm all in. Uh, but yeah, I just thought that was a funny note. Um, yeah, it's kind of it feels like a typical Silicon Valley sort of unicorn. But and yeah. I'm sure. I mean, that's a significant. That's a sizable investment for uh, IAC is 250 million. That's not small. So is this kind of a standard VC round type thing where they just own a stake, or do they have the majority ownership like something like Vimeo? Yeah, I think there's been. $400 million in funding towards Turo uh, and they've been responsible for $250 million of it. And then okay. they said it's a series E. So, so it's late stage. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming it's just sort of a yeah, they, stake, not necessarily like owner operator kind of thing. Okay. That makes sense. Um, yeah. I'll hit mine then. Okay. Uh, Vimeo. They're going to spin it off this spring. They said, I think they sp- they said on a conference call that around the second quarter of 2021, Vimeo gets spun out, um, you know, a five to $6 billion valuation, which is what they just raised at seems a bit rich on a sales multiple basis. Cause I would push them into the twenties. However, you know, the business has found its stride. It's, it's got minimal competition. Um, you know, SAS, they, they all, we talk about the ridiculous sales multiples, but the business model is sound. 20 times uh, sales? That's cheap. Yeah, that is cheap if you look at it on a snowflake basis. <laughs> but uh, I mean, look, they, they do deserve a high multiple if they have that solid recurring revenue, good retention rate, and um, the high gross margins. Uh, you know, one example for the value proposition, because I think people are confused. They're like, Vimeo, why would I just not use YouTube? Um, so you can, if you're subscribing to Vimeo, Vimeo and say you're a company like this, I guess, a uh, better example is Seven Investing because they do a live stream across all their different platforms. Um, and you, when you subscribe to video, it allows you to simulcast to all your different social platforms or whatever type of platform you want to do. It could just be on your company's website. Uh, so it allows you to do that to five different social platforms, which is a great feature. So you don't have to go live to everything at once. Um, and it also helps you transform video content, like I said earlier, into a full scale, like streaming OTT type deal where you can build your own Netflix without having to do the back end. Um, that's a little bit more nice. of a con. I think there's some competitors there, uh, but it's interesting. If you think that there's going to be like tens of thousands of niche um, creators doing subscription content for either fitness or I don't know, sports, teaching, cooking, yeah, stuff like that. It seems like there's a lot of opportunity there. Okay. Uh, highlights and lowlights. Ian, you want to go first? Yeah, I can go first. So I think the highlights are, you know, the main ones we've talked about, the track record management. They've just been doing this for a long time, been super successful at it. Um, It's kind of hard to find lowlights with this business just because they've been so good for so long. But I will say none of their major brands right now jump out at me as something that I'd be super excited about investing in. Um, And I think 
they don't have the same type, like that in my view, they don't have a match group right now as part of IAC and they don't have an Expedia as part of IAC. Um, they have some interesting stuff, like you mentioned Vimeo, I think is interesting. And I probably have to do some more diving on stuff like that. But, um, you know, and part of that, you know, I'm calling it a low light, but part of that is what they're so good at is taking something that other people don't see as much value in and then right. turning it into something that has a lot of value. So um, anyways, that's kind of my, my low light, if you even consider it one. Yeah, and I guess, yeah, Angie's home service seems a bit tough for me because I've always thought that it's kind of, there's a lot of friction getting the contractors and stuff onto there because what's the value? Like, all right, you're going to take, what, 10% of my revenue here? How much value are you really going to you know provide? You got to get the demand there. feels a bit slow kind of like onboarding someone to, say, Stitch Fix or something like that. But when you look at Angie's valuation, um, they are like a marketplace company and typically at scale. If they succeed, you know, with their margin structure, they typically have like, you know, five to eight times sales multiple. And again, they may have different margins than someone like eBay or Etsy or something like that. But right now, I believe they trade at sub four. So there is a bit of a discount um, in that valuation. But again, it's not like dirt cheap or anything like that. Yeah, it's also worth noting, I feel like contractors are probably slow adopters of services like that. It's not like... uh, what's the one we are looking at Fiverr. It's not like developers, how right. they'll instantly flock to those services. And if they feel like they're getting revenue taken away from them, there's probably some resentment there. No, I mean, uh, that comes back to the numbers I was saying earlier about the industry numbers, 90%, I believe, or maybe it was 80% of the home improvement market is still offline. Um, so maybe that changes and it's 80-20 in the other direction, but uh, it's a tough bet to make. There's a lot of friction yeah. in there so far. All right, my highlights, uh, the highlights are pretty obvious. I think we all have the same one, and it's the track record really speaks for itself. A dollar invested in IAC uh, when Barry Diller assumed control would have compounded at a 14% annually, uh, at, a, at 14% rate annually, um, and that is versus the market's 10%. So, yes, that is a long track record, and it's a good track record, um, and I think you're buying it at a relatively cheap price here, so maybe you'll get a higher CAGR than that. Uh, but... Low lights for me, I, I do like to try to understand businesses in their entirety. I, and I put try there. Um, I like to know if there's anything hidden and there's so much, so many moving parts with IAC and there's so many companies within it that you don't actually know their financials um, that that's just a bit of a red flag for me. And it, it, listen, if you're willing to dig all the way through that, I encourage you to do it because there's probably, that's probably a barrier to entry that a lot of investors are avoiding. Um, but it's just going to take more time. Yeah. I mean, would you consider that a red flag or more of like put it in the too hard pile? Cause red flag means like, Oh, I, there might be something wrong with no, this business. It's more of, it's like a personal, it's a personal red flag, not like a red flag for the business. Like, uh, so too, you think too hard pile kind of, yeah, it's right there. Just, uh, I, I don't know. There's two, there's a lot of small moving parts that, and a lot of those become big companies and are born, you know, that other revenue makes up a large portion of their overall revenue. Yeah. Um, and that's comprised of like 40 businesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More, yeah, yeah. Less, I really don't know, but if you're going to invest, you are kind of trusting in the management and their right. you know VC mindset and developing all those things. But um, I'll hit mine, I guess, you know, same thing as you guys have, but I just like to see that Joey Levin, uh, or however you say his name, just signed a new 10-year deal. So he's going to be there for the long term and they pay him well. So I don't think he's going to leave. Um, or I mean, it seems like the likelihood of him leaving is really low. He probably just wants to end his career at IAC, especially because it's it's really not the same company over and over. It's always new things every day. Um, and I do like Vimeo 
I think it's strong, obviously, you know, a sale uh, evaluation of five to six seems rich, but again, you kind of got to look at it. If you're going to own IAC here and you think they're going to spin off Vimeo at a five to $7 billion valuation, especially with how the market is rating these SaaS companies. Um, if the market's going to rate it like that, I mean, if you hold IAC, you're going to get that value in the Vimeo shares. So that's something to consider if you're uh, wanting to invest. And then my only low light that you guys haven't mentioned is dumping debt onto their investments, which I think is a little bit, it's not shady, but it seems mean to me. I don't know. They, I was like looking at match group back and I was like, gosh, IAC should take some of this back. Um, it doesn't yeah. mean that, you know, I was like, wow, their balance sheet should be cleaner, but uh, who knows? I mean, it's kind of just small. Are they buying back shares? Not sure. I, I did not check the share count. Um, um, yeah. I'm just curious what they're doing. It feels wasteful to be sitting on $4 billion in cash. Yeah, I can. Yeah, they've the just had that for a. They've just had that amount of cash for a small amount of time, and so okay. I expect um, they'll do something. Like I that. expect that's in, in my view. That's one of the highlights is that they should be doing something in the near future, and I kind of have a hunch that it could be related to this MGM investment, and they'll they'll continue to kind of move in that direction. But um, we'll see. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I don't know the share count. It's hard to judge because of the spinoffs. Can't really wow. get a read. You have to do a real deep calculation. But all right, last question: Are you guys more interested or less interested in IAC? Mm-hmm. Ian, you want to go first? Yeah, I think I, I think I'm more interested. Um, just between the cash they have, I think they're they're going to do something here, and it, it's you know with the sum of the parts valuation you did, you know it, there looks like it looks like it's undervalued, right? And if they do anything good with that cash, like if that cash was a SPAC today, you know what I mean, like. Yeah, people yeah. would be paying way more for it. Right. But it's, it's just sitting on the balance sheet. Right. And so, um, but in, in reality, it's functioning somewhat, uh, you know, it, it has the same, uh, functional use as a SPAC. They're going to go acquire some sort of company with it. And so, um, I think, I think it's a interesting way to kind of invest in a company that's going to hopefully acquire some, some innovative companies. Yeah. And it depends on what value you put those businesses at, you know, uh, the sum of the parts valuation, but you can almost get to a point where you're saying, all right, we're buying something at a discount to the cash they have. And then we're going to see what they can invest it with. But it, it depends what valuation you put it at. But Ryan, what do you have? Yeah, I'd say I'm more interested. This is a company that I feel like uh, you're going to be able to sleep comfortably at night. You're not yeah. worried that uh, tomorrow they could drop 70% on some earnings. Uh miss uh, so i guess uh, it's a comfortable pick it feels undervalued uh, as ian mentioned and then management that track record really does uh, i mean that's per- the proof's in the pudding they they have shown that they can do this for a long time and so that's sort of the comfort part um yeah i'd say more interested obviously huge company so a lot more digging to do if i want to uh, look at it further yeah. And I'd agree with you guys. I'm more interested. Um, it was my choice. So I guess I kind of knew going into it, uh, but yeah, nothing, nothing else. Uh, nothing else to add. Any big red flags for you? I mean, the debt thing kind of concerns me. Barry Diller is a little bit old, but I think with Joey there or, or Mr. Levin or whatever, uh, as the CEO, um, Mr. That, Mr. I don't know why I call him Mr. Levin, but, uh, Levin there. I mean, that, that kind of, you know, helps you know because dealer is like pushing 80 so he's probably going to be retiring soon uh so that'd be a red flag um i don't i don't know i mean there's not really any other red flags right 
No, not that I could find. Yeah. Just unless you don't believe in their businesses. For some reason, if you say like these businesses are overvalued and they're not actually going to be big parts of the future. But um, I think it's hard Mm -hmm. to say that about the businesses that they own. Yep. Especially if like one does well, one might not, you know, it's kind of hard to judge when you're doing it as a sum of the parts, but that's going to do for this episode. Do we want to pick we're going to each person is rotating. I thought it'd be fun to do like a, a teaser for next week. So if, if I probably should have said this beforehand, but if either of you have one that you want to pick for next week, we can kind of give a little teaser for uh, the next show. Wait, what did we say last time? We're going to do counterclockwise. Uh, I mean, they can't see it on the podcast, but we're all <laughs> technically sitting in a Zoom triangle. Counter, I mean, it would be Ian, but if Ian, uh, I don't want to put you Ian, on the spot. You got I don't mind. Yeah, you're putting me on the spot a little bit, but maybe I'll say this. Maybe we're going uh, micro cap next week. Okay. 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 Well, we'll go. All right. Sounds good to me. All right. Yep, that's going to do it. Yep. Uh, Use our code CCM at checkout to get $10 off your first month at 7investing. Remember, we are not financial advisors. Anything we say on this show is not formal advice or recommendation. Thank you all for listening or watching. We'll see you next week.